0: They were a laxative. They'd be so powerful, you could stand on your head and shit on the ceiling. That position would not only be unavailing, but also undignified.
1: You're listening to Hollywood. That's on my girl Hollywood from, from
0: Glow in the 1980s.
2: And all major podcasting platforms.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, can I have your attention, please? It's time
3: to make some
2: noise. What's up, everyone? Yeah, Oh, I'm in the house, boy. We got a hell of a show for you. Had some technical difficulties there for a second. Now we are live, ready to go. We got a legend online with us today. He just got done writing his first volume of his experiences and stuff. Hell's Angel Nomad, Jake Sawyer. And boy, you talking about how to love history, man. This is history in the making. Somebody who was there from the beginning almost uh came in in the 1960s and what a life that he lived man and he's still rocking it and in, in his 80s man gets up every dang morning and works out you gotta love it man how are you doing jake and we got it back on air how you doing buddy Talk to me. Oh, my God, man. You know what? It's good having you on the show, especially, you know, I'm a history buff when it comes to, uh, you know, the motorcycle uh, community, the club community. And I got to say, man, you lived it. I certainly did, and I did it all on purpose <laughs> no regret, so tell me man uh <laughs> man, I can bet you i you know what I'd love to hear the stories, and we're about to hear that man hey, how did you uh you know first when when did you come into the hells angels you know how did you get involved in all that good stuff
0: well, in nineteen sixty five I went to the uh motorcycle event at Waconia, New Hampshire, mm-hmm. and there, there was a riot in the summer of 65 up there that was legendary, and uh, it was blamed on the Hells Angels in California. I'd never heard of them, mm-hmm. but I kept hearing more and more about the Hells Angels, and when I got home from that event, I bought a newspaper and I read about
2: them. And I still have that exact same newspaper on my wall today. Oh man, that is awesome! You still got that uh, hanging on there. You know, tell us. Uh, you know, tell us a little bit. You know, you were in the beginning in the '60s. Can you give a, a history of the Hells Angels? You know how it started, or you know, I know it was supposedly started with an uh, uh, a bomber, or you know. Coming from an older uh, member and stuff like that, what it, what do you know about where it started?
0: I can only tell you what I know. and I'm uh, The best of my knowledge, the Hells Angels started in 1950. Uh, military veterans, not ready to settle down with a white picket fence yet. And uh, they wanted to do things their way. I'm also a veteran. I'm a veteran of the 101st Airborne division. Oh yes. And so anyway, uh, as soon as I heard the name Hells Angels, it just, it went to my soul. Mm-hmm. So anyways, I got home from Maconia and three weeks later, my beautiful girlfriend who was a registered nurse tells me one day I was a clear blue sky, my girlfriend is making a lot of money as a private duty nurse in Oakland, California. Do you love me enough to move to Oakland, California? I said, yes, darling, I do, of course. So we went to Oakland and she became the private duty nurse of uh, Henry J Kaiser before he died. And I told her, I was going to look for a location to start a health club. But the truth is I went to Luau Club on East Fourteenth because I heard that was the Hells Angels hung out.
3: Mhm.
1: And that was uh And so that, I went to that was the charter uh Sonny was uh, at The Oakland chapter
0: of the Hells Angels hung out there. Mhm. As well as as well as the Nomads Chapter and
2: uh that was ground zero <laughs> <laughs> ground zero for the whole thing, huh?
0: Oh, yeah. I walked in the door and then into, I said, I'm looking for tiny. I had a friend of mine named Eddie Doherty who had the first chopper in Boston. Mm-hmm. And of course I've been running, I've been running mid city health club, which is the largest health club in Boston. And Adi had told me that he had a friend in the Oakland chapter of the Hell's Angels named Tiny. So I came through the door and politely asked these guys, and told him, I, I said, I'm looking for Tiny, I'd like to talk to Tiny. And uh, it took a while before I got to actually talk to Tiny, he was there, but it's all in my book, all the details.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Anyway, I told Tiny that, uh, we have a close mutual friend, Addy Doherty. And, uh, I'd like to call him up and have him talk to you so we can verify that I am who I say I am. So anyways, I got Addy Doherty on the phone. So Adi, being a crazy bastard. I know that crazy bastard, no one in town likes him, he's no good, and blah, blah, blah. I heard him say that. I grabbed the phone from Tiny. He said, look, you start telling the truth, you got serious problems with me. So then he grabbed the phone, and he apologized and seriously told Tiny I was a good person, basically. And then Tiny handed me the phone, and I hung up on him. And I spent the evening getting to know the Hells Angels.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. And when was your uh, first event you got to go to with uh,
1: the Hells Angels? (laughs) The first
0: run that I got to take a ride on was up the coast to uh, Petaluma. Mm Mm-hmm. And... So I was riding up that highway for the first time, and I'll never forget that when we crossed the San Rafael Bridge heading north, when I glanced over to the left, there's San Quentin Prison. I looked at that, and I said, wow, boy, I hate to go there. So we went on, and we went up to that run, and that's the first Hells Angel run I went on.
2: The first one was right by San Quentin, huh?
0: (laughs) We happened to ride right by San Quentin on the way up to Petaluma.
2: Mm -hmm. And a year later, I was in there doing time. A year later, you are in there doing time, huh? Yeah. Shame on Jake. Shame on Jake, huh? (laughs) Did you uh, actually uh when did was that the hang around period what was the hang around period back then or were you prospecting well
0: at that time i wasn't even a. don't know i don't even know if i was even a hang around at that time Mm -hmm. i knew that i was riding with the hell's angels and they were gonna wear their colors and i didn't have any colors so I got myself an American flag and sewed that, sewed that on the back of a cut-off Levi jacket, and I wore that being a veteran.
2: Right, right. When did you uh, first uh, know that you wanted to join the club?
1: As soon as I heard the word "Hell's
2: Angel." Rock on! <laughs> <laughs> how long did it, how long did it take? I'm serious. How long did it take you to get your, uh, uh batch?
1: uh, <clears throat> three weeks, three weeks back then. Huh? It was a lot different than you yeah. would say now, today. Oh,
0: uh, uh, here's, 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 how you get to become a an hell's angel real fast. Okay. Okay. What you do is we charge in a gunfight with no gun, and tackle a guy that's shooting at everybody and beat the living shit out of him, and then take the wounded to the hospital and stay with them. That's how it was back then. Huh? I was, <laughs> I, well, this was, this was, you it, look, it took two to three years of prospecting. Right. But apparently if you're willing to stride in the gunfire, your
2: application gets moved up you know what i mean oh i can say so and something like that uh so was it pretty hairy back in the motorcycle club scene in the 60s
0: (laughs) yeah yeah i became a, a, a member of the nomads chapter which was the most extreme chapter of course
2: right right i've never done anything halfway and uh, the Nomad chapter back then that was pretty hardcore stuff back then. But how was uh, the club scene in the 60s? Was it pretty different than, you know, say, you know, from the 70s and 80s all the way up to now?
0: It was a lot different. It was a lot different. There probably weren't 200 Hells Angels in the whole state. Mm-hmm. In the mid-60s, there weren't many Hells Angels. Okay. Now... I'll, I got sent to prison, because i had been a bad boy, and when I got out of prison, it said in big letters on my parole papers, which is
1: in my book, to go to Maine,
0: and uh, so I haven't been back in California since then. The club changed a lot, like everything changes over the years.
2: I'm a blast in the past. Right. <laughs> so you uh, did you go to San Quentin uh, when you were a Hell's Angel? Oh, boy, did I ever. <laughs>
0: See, here's what happened. Here's what happened. Our trial attracted national attention. Our pictures and write ups were in True Detective magazine and and all other, and a lot of magazines.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So, what, what trial the was that? What trial was that, Jake?
1: We were put on trial for crashing into a house, going after
0: people we were upset with. Okay, yeah, I get it. Okay. So then we got put on trial eventually. And during the trial, I was the biggest and the biggest, there was like four of us on trial and I was the biggest, strongest looking one of all of us. So the prosecutor called me, the prosecutor asked me if I was the hell's angel bone crusher. And I denied that. I said I was known as Jake from Maine. Mm-hmm. Anyway, in the newspaper, in the magazines, that came out that I was the bone crusher. So I went to prison with all these guys in the California prison system, knowing who I was. And I'm known as the bone crusher. And at that time, I didn't weigh more. I didn't weigh 200
2: pounds. Right, I was in trouble <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 200 pounds going in the sand <laughs> I coin. was in big trouble <laughs> I'm telling what? you so you were going through the trial and God. stuff uh, what were they trying to convict what did they convict you on oh they convicted
0: me of all kinds of stuff because we wouldn't make a deal of course right right uh, Burgling the first degree five, it was a 5 to white sentence. And we got committed to multiple counts of felonious assault. Hmm.
2: Felonious assault. They. I got didn't on. get proba- I, I didn't get probation. Hmm. What was uh, your I, what? How many uh, years did they
1: sentence you to? Five. Uh, five years to life and two six to ten. Holy crap!
2: And this was back in the 60s. Yeah, yeah. They didn't play back then when it came to uh, sentencing and all that type of stuff. So you were found, uh, you know, because I was reading in your book and stuff, some of the information on it. You said, uh, you know, you rose to the hierarchy in San Quentin prison. You know, tell the audience what that's about.
1: Uh, I think that's a slight exaggeration
0: that happens sometimes when people write books, okay? Mm-hmm. I I went to San Quentin. Well, anyways, making a long story short, the first prison they sent me to was a medium security prison because I had a really good military record and I'd never been in trouble. So they sent me up to Susanville. Well, so I helped instigate a riot up there, so they sent me to San Quentin by way of Folsom. Mm-hmm. So when I got to Folsom, everybody in the yard knew the Hells Angel Bone Crusher had landed. This is not good news.
1: Mm-hmm. So I, uh, I'm here, I'm here
2: talking to you because I survived it all. Right, right. It was a pretty tough, uh, uh, was it pretty tough, uh, or easier being, uh, a member of, uh, the hell's angels inside.
0: I had as many white guys trying to kill me as black guys because I was known and anyone that fucking killed me gets, uh, what? Some kind of crazy respect because they did it. Okay.
3: Mm Mm-hmm.
0: Right risk they get, you know, they get attention. Right. Right. They get the, so right I had attention. a number of guys, I had a number of people try to kill me while I was there. I got stabbed in the back walking down what is known as the industrial alley in the lower yard in San Quentin on the way to the shoe shop one day. And from time to time I did whatever was necessary. To keep myself alive in that hellhole. Hmm. San Quentin. And I'm was still pretty, here. San
2: Quentin, pretty bad <laughs> in the '60s, wasn't it? San Quentin. San Quentin was, yeah. There was a lot of killings in San Quentin in the '60s. Yeah, I can imagine. Because ain't that when uh, a lot of the organizations that we know today, like uh, Ma or Mexican Mafia, start just uh, got started out. Uh, back then uh the bgf so it must have been uh a real uh (laughs) journey for you during them times am i correct
0: well trying to navigate through all of that you got five thousand violent guys in one prison Mm -hmm. now you know there's gonna be a lot of trouble so I I you know, I I stabbed my mother's boyfriend twice because he was a fucking asshole when I was fourteen. <laughs> and so you know, and I enjoyed doing it, okay? I loved stabbing that son of a bitch. <laughs> he had been that. uh he'd been molesting my mother for three or four years and by the age of fourteen I'd had enough of that shit. So I stabbed him in the ass and I stabbed him in the fucking thigh. And I get off like a skyrocket doing it. Right. I didn't. And uh, I went home for supper that night. And no one even talked. I come from a rich family. Mm-hmm. And they don't want any waves. Make a long story short, no one brought up the subject. I didn't care if I was going to prison or not. I was so proud of myself for getting rid of that bastard. I didn't care. But it goes into the house. No one even mentions it. Right. So I didn't either. And I never, ever talked about this until after all of those people were dead. Right. I can keep a secret.
2: Well, you know what? You bring that up. Uh, you know, you came through the 60s. You know, that was my favorite generation that I actually uh, loved learning from was the Vietnam Bet uh, generation. And they had a... Uh, a lot more hard nosed way of looking at life than uh these new people nowadays do where if they get into trouble the first thing they're doing is trying to make a deal with something. Uh you know, looking from yeah. looking from your perspective and what you went through, what do you think about some of the, you know the stuff you might hear, you know, people doing, they run to the cops, make a deal because they couldn't play the game, all that good stuff.
0: What
2: do I think
0: of snitches? Yeah. All snitches need to be taken off account as soon as possible and the same with child molesters. <laughs> Kill them all. Let God sort them out.
2: That's what I'm talking. That's about. how it is in prison. Right. How do you Fuck th- them. That's what I say, man. Kill 'em. How, you know, how do you think things have changed biker, you know, biker club wise uh you know, now compared to when you were in the sixties?
0: I have no idea. I, like I said earlier, I am a blast from the past and you know, life has gone on and I was living, I was not a member of the hell's angels in the uh, late eighties or early nineties. But, uh, I was, uh, I was living with the old chap of the hell's angels in the late eighties and early nineties. And, uh, that's the last time I was really with the hell's Angels. Right. And life evolved. I have no idea what's going on. I am, I don't know nothing. Right.
2: All I know is my name, rank and serial number. That's the way it's supposed ah. to be, man. Name, rank, and serial number when these cops talk to you. You know, a lot of people they don't understand that. They get uh trapped up in these interrogations and crap and they just start singing like birds instead mm-hmm. of just saying, Hey, my name and birth date, I want yeah. a lawyer. Well <laughs> this is in my biography, okay?
0: hmm I uh Oh well, I don't know if we time to go through all that.
1: But anyways, uh, I had,
0: I, I was parole, I was a parole board and the parole board loved me because I was the purest son of a bitch in San Quentin, I guess. Mm. And they paroled me. They paroled me after two and a half years. and I've been raised in hell in prison. <laughs> and I had help on getting out of prison from Harold Patius who was president Johnson's press secretary at the time. I grew up with him mm-hmm. and he's still, he's still in Poland right now. You ought to talk to him. Rock on. Anyway, he pulled a lot of strings. I made parole. <laughs> so the first thing I did when I made parole was go to Sonny Badger's house mm-hmm. and Sonny picked me up with a former girlfriend. And I spent the night in his bed with her, having a hell of a good time. <laughs> I party with my brothers for two or three days. I'd been given seven days to report to my parole officer in Maine. And about four days after I got a when I left I'm on my way to Maine. And I had some very exciting adventures going across America.
2: Mm-hmm. Now, you said you. We can uh, read about it. You, Yeah, everybody, you guys got to get Jake's book, man. You know, you got how many volumes coming out on this one?
0: We couldn't do it in one volume. We got two volumes.
2: You got two volumes come up? It's and. The first one's available now.
0: Yeah, with we're, we're, we're lots, of, lots of pictures and, and pictures of the early pictures of the Hells Angels
2: taken by me mm-hmm. pictures that have never been published before never been published you got gumming out in the book
0: both of my biographies have many pictures
2: that's awesome that's awesome stuff so guys i'm going to be putting the link uh down in this uh interview that way you guys can click it make sure you buy it man because You know, you're gonna hear stories that uh, nowadays really do not uh, come out. You know, men like Jake are a blast from the freaking past. Now, you said you partied with Sonny, man. Can you tell us what you know? A lot of our listeners would love to hear. uh, You know, how what kind of guy Sonny is? Is he fun to hang around with, party with?
0: I hadn't been. I had not been in Oakland very long before it was Christmas and I am proud to brag that Sonny Badger invited me to Christmas dinner with him and his lady of the time, Elsie, and three other hell's angels. I wasn't anybody really. I would just been in town a few weeks. What happened between Sonny and I was this. Sonny took one look at the build on me, and he, he was very interested. And he used to take me aside from time to time and ask me about how I accomplished what I had done. And, and he was very interested. And later on, Sonny became very interested in weightlifting and developed one hell of a physique himself. Mm-hmm. And I'm taking credit right here and now for introducing him to it. And if he doesn't like it, I'll probably get a black eye. <laughs> 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 I, I love Sonny badger I would follow Sonny badger into a blast furnace.
2: That's brotherhood right there, following somebody into a blast furnace. He's-
0: he is the greatest leader of men ever to walk the face of the fucking earth. And if anyone has a problem with that, come and get me.
2: <laughs> there you go. I do have one question. Uh, one of the listeners uh, lives in Canada, and they're saying Amazon won't ship the book to him because he wanted to buy it.
0: The people are buying the book. There, it's uh. You can order it now, but you don't get the book until the 28th or 29th or something.
2: Okay, but it's going to be available to Canada? Because we got people listening worldwide right now, and I know somebody from Canada.
0: I don't know. I don't know about Canada. I can only tell you about what it's selling in the United States. And uh, it's pre-order right now, but the people that have ordered already... Will receive their books before May, and the guess what? Volume two is coming out within three weeks, and that's for total fucking insanity. And it's all true. <laughs> right.
2: Well, what kind of good stories you got from the party days, you know, a little insight to uh what they can be looking forward to in the book.
1: Okay. You wanna hear how I learned my earn my red wings? Let's hear it.
0: <laughs> well, in the Hells Angels at that time, if you had gone down on a young lady while she was
2: menstruating, you got to wear red wings on your colours. <laughs> Yeah, I, I you know what I heard about them stories, man. It was some uh, freaky stuff back then. <laughs> well, let
0: me tell you about me and Mama Judy. I'm gonna tell you about a real romance that happened down at the bottom of about four great big huge truck tires, okay? Uh uh-huh. we're 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 on a Hells Angel run up in uh Lake Barry Essel, I guess. Anyways, we're partying and everything's going great. We're having a good time.
2: Terry the Tramp who became a legend. Yeah, Sonny talks about him all the time, Terry the Tramp. uh, Anyway,
0: me and his real name is, he was John Tracy before he was Terry the Tramp, and he came from a family background similar to mine. And we go on real great now. What the hell was that? I forgot what I'm talking about here. Where was that going? That party with that old lady, I, man. I, I, oh, you, you, oh, yeah,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay,
0: my red wings. Yes, I got to brag about how I heard my red wings. Cramp comes up to me and says, okay, Jake. Real men have their red wings, you know. And I said, I hear you, bro. He said, well, Mama Judy is having her period And she's laying down on the the ground in in these great big tires. And it's your opportunity to go earn your red wing. So I said, right on. So I went right down there and started doing what I needed to do. And I thought I was doing a good good job. But Trev didn't think so, apparently. Because he shoved my head right in so much I I couldn't breathe, you know, (laughs) but anything was a club. So I kept going. (laughs) Okay. Finally, he said, you okay. You're now qualified. And I told him, I assured him, I felt like a much better human being. Now I remember my red wings. I'm covered with fucking
2: blood and the party continued. Did you get that? Ooh and I out of that woman, man. She'd like it.
0: (laughs) Mama Judy was a beautiful, a tall, beautiful, educated blonde, and she was one of many women that came all the way across America and into the Luau Club because they all wanted to fuck Sonny Badger. (laughs) <laughs> well, Sonny Barger wasn't there a lot. He was on Planet over the World, apparently. I didn't know it at the time. But anyway, me and Tramp and our other brother, Bob the Dirt, we were all there. So I said, oh, here comes two more. And they all ended up partying with us and having
2: a lot of sex in the back room, which they loved man okay so you had uh you had all these cherries flying around you guys at all times huh these broads did not have their cherries anymore no i'm talking about all these women uh, all these uh (laughs) they wanted to roost man they wanted to roost with you guys they wanted to fuck the hell's (laughs) angel and we
0: we accommodated them You, you had no problem with accommodations. (laughs) We were, we were good to go. And this, this used to happen three or four times a week. They come through the door from all over America. Anyway, mama Judy shows up. tall, beautiful blonde. So anyways, Oh, I got a story for you. (laughs) Anyways, Mama Judy, uh, there's a picture of Mama Judy in my biography and everyone in, in the world can see how beautiful Mama Judy was at that time. And Mama Judy, if you're still out there somewhere, darling, I want to get
2: down on you one more time. <laughs> so your parties were legendary. I'm taking it. I'm talking true love here. I want Mama Judy one more
1: time. One more time. Huh? Is she uh, still around?
0: I don't know. man. we I don't know, but boy,
2: I would love to hear from her. I still love her. Hey, Mama Judy, if you're out there, man, you give us Madhouse a call so we'd play Love Connection, man. We'd uh, get you together with Jake again. <laughs> oh, If you
0: can make that happen, man, wow. (laughs) She was one hell of a woman. I could imagine. Hey, there's a woman, as far as I know, who is still riding with the Hells Angels, and she was riding with the Hells Angels when I was. Uh huh. Her, Her name is Super
2: Sharon. Super Sharon, and I heard she's still with the club. Uh, man, that is awesome, right there. <laughs> Super Sharon is a, a Super
0: Sharon is a very beautiful tough blonde. Okay, she got mad at me one day for whatever reason, and she started beating me over the head with with a stack full of books or some goddamn thing. And I just, I I loved it. I love Super Sharon.
2: So women... A- if you're out there, Super
0: Sharon,
2: come beat me again. <laughs> so women were a little more freaky back then than, uh, you know, they, they all, you know, princesses and stuff now, but they were real women back then.
0: Well, you can read about it. I mean, uh, we, we used to have a lot of sex, okay? I mean, if you read the book, Hells Angels by Hunter Thompson or anything like that. See, back in my day, we didn't have a lot of money, but we were very happy because we were getting off like skyrockets all over the place.
2: Mm -hmm. Man, I can just imagine how the 60s were, man. The 60s had to be, uh, oh my God. (laughs) I don't think people nowadays could have lived through the 60s how fun you guys had back then. (laughs) because it's a
0: it's people a, are very very different now oh
2: my god uh, I people are agree. very
0: uh, they no, you know we, we were we were in a class of our own bro I could imagine we're the elite of the elite now you brought up Hunter. those
2: handsome men in the whole fucking world <laughs> now you brought up Hunter Thompson yeah you brought up Hunter Thompson did you ever meet him Yes, yes.
0: He he came into the bar. I, at the time, I had been around to Los Angeles about four weeks, and now I was a bartender at the Luau Club. Mm. So Hunter Thompson came in again one day, and he had kind of a big mouth, and he started running his mouth. And it, it's all in the book. In uh, fact, he wrote about it in his Book, Hells Angels Brother. He ran his mouth, made an asshole out of himself. So he got beat up and he, he ran out the door and he ran right to the police station. <laughs> He's supposed to be known as a, a real tough motherfucker. He was a pussy. <laughs> anyway, he ran to the police station. He runs into the police station saying whatever he fucking said to him. And the cop said to him, get the hell out of here. <laughs> they kicked him out of the police station. Did he ever pay up with that keg of beer had, that he
2: owed you
1: guys?
0: I don't know anything about a keg of beer. I don't know anything about that. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know. I only, I only saw him a couple
2: of times, and uh, I didn't like him. Right, right. <laughs> Thanks for that Jiggy Fry uh, for that donation. Uh this is, you know, one of the best episodes I had. I just loved kicking it with uh the old timers. Uh what did you think about the the documentary that they did uh, Hell's Angels Forever? That is the
0: best It's in my right in a dust cover, it says in my book. It says the best uh motorcycle movie ever made mm. is Hell's Angels Forever. Why? Because all these bikers in the country now, they all try to dress like Hell's Angels. They are, Anyway, uh, where was that going? Sometimes I get off the track here. It happens. Anyway, that movie, that movie is a documentary, there's no actors. It's all Hell's Angels. It's all documentary. And it it should, anyone who sees that movie will see how we thought and act and what we look like back in the mid seventies. Do yourselves a favor and crack down Hell's Angels
2: Forever. Rock on. Hey, did you know uh Big Vinny? Out of Third <laughs> the, the Third Street Crew?
0: I knew Big Vinny very well. Big Vinny and I knew each other very well. So how was uh, Big Vinny? Was he uh, fun to party
2: with?
1: Big Vinny
0: used to take... He was a big, super strong guy, and he took a liking to me, and making a long story short, he used to take me on missions with him, okay? Mm. And we would go take care of business. Right. And big Vinny, big Vinny was the New York city hell's angel. Well, you and I really hit it off. And one of my best friends has the biggest house in Portland, Maine and Vinnie used to come up to Portland, Maine. And the girls used to, Take really good care of great, big, huge Vinny covered with tattoos. <laughs> I bet that <they> he did. <laughs> he came up to visit Jake more than once. Mm-hmm.
2: Vinny and I got along great. Yeah, he was kind of like the, super- I'm glad the we- star of that uh, movie, Big Vinny.
0: Oh, Vinny was a... Oh, Vin- you know... Vinny's one of them guys, man. He walked into the room, everyone stopped. You don't even have to say anything. Mm-hmm. The aura about him. This guy was a recondo Marine, okay? Mm-hmm. And after the guys, uh, of the Marine Corps, he ate well, he gained some weight. <laughs> 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 and uh, he, I'm glad he never got mad at me.
2: <laughs> now you were a, I love Vinny. Oh man, uh yeah, I remember seeing that movie as a kid and Vinny uh everybody talks about Vinny when people ask about that movie and stuff. Uh but you were a vet in the one hundred and first was did you do uh World War II or Korea or any of that uh conflicts? Yeah, no yeah. I, I landed in Omaha Beach. In 1944, leading a combat unit. How's that? Oh my God, that is something else. We got. Something I'm lying. To uh, I'm lying. Okay, <laughs> i was gonna say wow. I in 1944,
0: I was six. Hmm. Okay. I have a tough time. I, mean, I can't be serious all the time. Oh, I know. I was no. I was. I. I served in the hundred first in the army from nineteen fifty nine to nineteen sixty one. I was never in combat except in bar room. <laughs> Rock
2: on! So you know you, you went into a career <laughs> of uh, fitness and stuff. You know how did you get into the fitness uh, end of everything and all that good and, uh, jive? Well, when I was a teenager. I had this attitude
0: that I had and I knew instinctively I better get as big and strong as I can. And I went to work on that. And I never stopped working on it. And I got to a point where in 1969 I was runner-up to the world champion in the East Coast Armourishman Championships. And at that time anyone over 200 pounds was unlimited heavyweight I won 28 straight matches with a whole bunch of giants. And then I came up against uh, the world champion, Maurice Baker, and he beat the shit out of me.
2: (laughs) Hey, at least you took him on.
0: There's a news... Yeah, well, anyways, I could never tell the story unless I can tell the people that there is a newspaper article verifying everything I just said, because what I did that day was
1: off the charts. Mm-hmm. Rock on! And so, did you own a couple gyms? I uh, yeah, well
0: I yes, I I owned a couple of health clubs, yeah. Mm-hmm. But I started out in the health club in uh, Miami, Florida. I, I, in in my biography when I got out of the Army I went to work for General Motors and I was moving up in their organization until I ate the stripper at the Farmington Mayor Fair and I got fired so I went to Miami and got a job in a health club and from there I moved up to California and started running some of the largest health clubs in Southern California for Vic Canny. That so, was a large
2: Nassau chain at that time. Right. So, you, you know what? You had a very interesting life, and I can see why you wrote a biography on it. Because, you know, not only were you in the Angels uh, during the 60s when everything was uh, really out there for the bikers, but uh, you went on to... Uh, go through San Quentin when it was really tough, and also you started your own business. But, man, the parties you had to have, and, uh, man, there's just what we would have loved to see nowadays. <laughs> uh, but it sounds like you know you got a really interesting read coming out in that book. How long did it take you to write the book? Almost four years. I kept going over and
0: over and over it because I wanted to be as accurate as possible.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Almost four years. I've got an interesting story to tell you. you mentioned I own different businesses. Let me tell you about one. I own. We got another year. Yeah, go ahead. Mr. Uh, the, okay. My real good friend, John DeCola was Mr. American in 1969. In the mid seventies, John called me. i said, look, I got this great new business franchise going called mystique figure Rap. And he explained it all to me. He said, what you do, is you set a you get a nice place together. I can help you with that. And you hire, you hire a few, uh, ladies that like women, lesbian mm-hmm. and you advertise, that you can help a uh, middle-aged women lose one to two dress sizes in an hour. But you get, have a massage at mystique body wrap and you get wrapped in this special, uh, cloth that has been soaked in special salts from the, the, the great red sea or whatever. Anyways, what it m- amounted to was they would get their wrap, but one of our ladies would give them a nice massage and they would all have orgasm. So they kept coming back.
2: <laughs> Man, I should take that of hundred
0: dollars, a hundred dollars a whack. Which was, you know, good money back in those days. And the husbands were so glad that
2: anyways, that business went real good for about three years. So I went back to prison. Right. So you did two uh, rounds then in the joint.
0: No, no, I did more. Oh,
1: you
2: did more than the two.
0: Yes. 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 I tarnished my, I I did life on the installment plan for about 20
2: years. (laughs) Life on the installment plan. I love it. (laughs) Sad but true. Sad but true. Well, you know what? I really. After five years, after five years, I had to turn my
0: colors to the people I love because I couldn't stay out of trouble long enough. (laughs) But I
2: i never stopped hanging around with people i love and i still love them rock and roll well i really appreciate having you on the show jake uh again jake's book is on pre-order right now on amazon and i think that's probably why uh harm that uh they're not shipping to canada right now it's only on pre-order so i'm sure after it gets off a of pre-order he'll be able to ship it worldwide uh are you gonna have any book tours uh jake
1: uh, I'm sure there will be. I, uh,
0: I got another quick story if you got a minute. Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I have a friend of mine that I helped out when he was a kid of 16 and had no money and I was good to him. I let him work out for nothing and I trained him anyway because I liked him. Make a long story short, 40 years later he calls me up just after I finished the book. He tells me I'm now a retired combat Green Beret. I have uh, made a fortune in the stock market since then. And I'm a movie producer in California with an office out there. And I love you. And we're going to get you. Uh, he's got connections with the Wall-, was it? the Wall Street Journal. No. New York Times. Mm-hmm. And he's they, they these people have done feature articles on this guy. And... He is gonna. I predict that we will be uh, be in the uh, New York Times within two or three months, having them review
2: the book, and they're gonna love them. That is awesome, man. If you can get into the New York Times bestsellers, that would be uh, perfect. Uh, But anyway, the book is available on Amazon. I'm sure it's going to be available on all the other online platforms. Uh, what's the name of the book, Jake? Jake. No, what's the name of the book, <laughs> Jake? It's just called J A K E. Okay, cool. So you'll be able, guys, to go ahead and pre-order. <laughs> uh, make sure you go over to Amazon. And uh, help Jake uh, get some books sold out there, man, and uh, learn what it was like in the club scene in the '60s and uh, the way they partied and all that good stuff. I really appreciate having you on, Jake. It was uh, educational uh, and real fun, man. And I think our listeners agree it was a fun episode having you on here.
0: I appreciate it. I'll talk. You're an easy guy to talk to. I really appreciate it, Jake. Hey, look. Yeah, go ahead. Look, uh, I'd like to have a, if you make a copy of this, I'd like to have you send it to uh, my friend out in Colorado.
2: Yeah, I can get an MP3 for you. I can send it to you uh, later on tonight. No, no, here's,
0: here's what you do. Your name is Carol Byers, B-Y-E-R-S.
2: You can email Carol? No, hold on, Jake. Have her email me. Uh, The one I've been talking to, and I'll get all the private information because you give me private information over the internet with me right now. It's going to go everywhere. Okay, okay, I hear you. Thank you very much. Okay, Jake. It's been a pleasure, sir. You too, man. You know what? I'll be in touch with you. Thanks for being on the show. I I hope so. Okay, buddy. Talk to you Thank you and that was jake sawyer man uh you know what i'll come back give our final thoughts on stuff boy do i have some uh in your face
0: all over the place we're online 24 7 24 7
3: this station is now the ultimate power in the universe
2: Motorcycle Madhouse on Spotify and iTunes Radio. All right, welcome back, man. You're gonna tell me that wasn't an awesome interview? It is just freaking awesome hearing from the old timers, and now this is the generation I talk about all the time, where they taught. You know, my generation, and we dropped the ball to these newer ones, but uh, boy, the partying. And people wonder, you know, where my generation to gets its to thinking from. And, you know, again, the partying, the way, you know, things were supposed to be, because I get a lot of people who say, you know what, this is 2020, this ain't 1990, any of that kind of crap and they're like well it just ain't like that any damn more well i agree it ain't like that anymore and sometimes i have a hard time with that because it was a lot more fun than it is now and that's just my opinion uh mp3 that guy up, but josh uh but a lot's changed man it really has so uh couple side notes don't forget to subscribe pound rock on the video and all the other platforms that we're on really appreciate everything today hopefully you guys enjoyed the show don't forget uh the biker news every morning on youtube all that good stuff Uh, We're on Spotify, iTunes, the whole nine freaking yards. What do you guys think about all this closed down, man? I got pretty upset today. You know, our fat boy governor came out and said, well, we're extending you guys another 30 days. Really? You know, there's three steps to a civil war. The first step's the protest. The second's anarchy. And the third, finally going. They're already at step number one. And some of the stuff that these people are pulling with our freedom is just out of line if you ask me. Out of of lying. You know, they're going insane you gotta do that. We're required if we go outside to wear a mask now. What is this? Soviet Russia? I don't know, man. Let me know what you guys think about all this stuff going on in the comment section. But with that, I'll see you next Thursday live over on Motorcycle Madhouse. There will be a re airing of this interview over on our Facebook page, Insane Throttle, uh, as well as Live streaming over on uh, Live Storm, so it'll be over there. I'll talk to you guys later. You guys be good, be safe during this, and get out there and ride. I said
0: goodbye, vamoose, adios, ciao, so long. Get your hat.
2: The like internet radio show is now available on Spotify and all major platforms, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Stitcher, and more. Don't forget to become a subscriber on
1: any one of
2: these platforms so you can be notified right away when our weekly episode is uploaded so you never miss an episode. Hi, this is James Hollywood Machikari. Join our YouTube channel and get Motorcycle Madhouse and tons of videos related to the bikers. Join now by subscribing for free and become part of the crowd today. Always free and always entertaining. Don't forget to visit us at www.harleyliberty.com for your daily biker news. Rock on!